And if it is your first time to Vision City Church, welcome. Uh, We are going to be starting today, and and before we get into our message and our study in God's Word, we need to make an announcement. Now, this announcement has nothing to do with the activities that are going on in our church specifically, yet it is the umbrella statement for everything that we do as a church. Our church, we need to know right off the bat, because a year ago today, I stood up here behind this pulpit and said for the very first time, good morning and welcome to Vision City Church. And one year later, which is today, we get to say the very same thing. Good morning and welcome to Vision City Church. And this is all brought to you, and don't worry, this isn't going to be like our sponsored by, it is brought to you by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because we truly believe, as I said on day one, that this is the Lord's church. And the people that attend this church are the Lord's people. And then the work that takes place in His church, in His people, is the Lord's work. And when He works, no one can hinder it. Not even you. And not even me. And we're here today testifying to the faithfulness of God and how He has brought us from 20 or so people praying in a living room uh, to being a full-fledged church one year later. I'm happy to report we didn't go out of business. And uh, it's great to be here as we uh, gather together to celebrate the things with the, which the Lord has done. He has done some great and mighty things. Now, this morning... Uh, some of you that have been following with us, you know, we've, been, we've had a little hiatus from the book of Acts. And for those of you that are wondering, when are we going to start the book of Acts again? It is going to be the first Sunday in February. Now, the reason for that is because the last few months or so, that uh, probably maybe August, July, August or so, maybe four months ago now, uh, we as a church, and then even if I could add a personal note to it, have been dealing with some major spiritual battles, some major things that have been happening in our lives collectively as a church, and then obviously, uh, and also included individually, uh, struggles like we've never struggled with before, difficulties that we've never faced before, things in our lives that have popped up that have caused us to be confused and question if God loves us or if God's still with us, or if He has a plan through it all. And I know that every single one of us have dealt with something along those lines this past year. And throughout the country, on social media, you have all of these things at churches that talk about how you can be more successful in 2015, how you can be a better manager of your finances in 2015. Well, today and hopefully for our church, be how can we be more like Jesus in 2015? Is that something that we want to be like more? I hope so. How can we be more like Jesus? And and the thing that we're going to be looking at today is we start a four-week series on spiritual battle. A four-week series on spiritual battle starting today. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians 6. And as I was saying, the, the spiritual battle seemed to have ramped up so significantly. And it came to a breaking point for me last night which is very, very interesting how the Lord would be preparing even me, uh, I feel, to be able to go through this message and how maybe even the Lord's been preparing you to be able to hear the messages that we're going to be looking at uh, as we, we, we look at spiritual battle and what it is and how it works and how we can be more like Jesus through effectively using the armor of God. And so I'm hoping today 
that we are able to be more like Jesus, that we're able to be in a place where we have a greater knowledge and understanding of the pitfalls of sin, how Satan works with temptation, and how he gets us involved in the emotional thing, uh, the, the physical thing, and so that we're no longer relying on the spiritual part of who we are. In Ephesians chapter 6, this morning we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 13, but before we do that, Let's pray. Father, we ask God that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit would say. Lord, here we are in the city of Irvine in this brand new booming community, Lord, where we don't have to fly overseas to reach people from different religions and cultures. They have all flown overseas to hear. And Lord, we ask God as we have all the major world religions, all the major players of the world religions represented here in Irvine, Buddhism and Islam. Hinduism, hedonism, we have a whole atheism where there's a lot of, Lord, very concentrated amounts of these people that follow these different religions. And Lord, we pray, God, as we're making inroads and as we're breaking the ground and as we're, 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 we're starting this work, Lord, that, that you have begun, Lord, we pray, God, that you would give us strength and, Lord, that you would help us. Lord, as we start off 2015, Lord, I pray, God, that if there are already some here this morning that are regretting what they did on New Year's Eve, that they would know today that you are the God of second chances and 2,000 and second chances, Lord. And Lord, you're the God who gives us new mercies every day. And Lord, you are the one that says we're new creations in Christ and the old things have passed away and everything becomes made new, Lord. We ask that you would give us the power in our inner man, in our spirit, to be those men and those women this year that you have created us to be, that you have called us to be. And Lord, that we would be strong in you. And Lord, we ask for these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus and he says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong. You know, you remember those old, maybe, I don't even know if they're still on TV anymore, those hefty trash bag commercials where it was always like that, that poor woman trying to lift that trash bag out of, you know, out of her trash can and it's just ripping and tearing, you know, and, and, and then they're like hefty bags, you know, and it was always like hefty, 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 and then wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. I don't know if you remember that or not, but it reminds me of Ruth when she's at home because I forgot to take the trash out and it's stuck in there, but we don't want to be weak. We want to be strong. If you ever want to sign up, like, oh, weaklings go over here and the strong people go over there, we'd probably be like, I'd like to be in the strong crowd. When it comes to spiritual things, I'm hoping that you'll say today and have a desire in your heart that I want to be strong in the Lord. Strong in the Lord, and the key thing is in His might. It doesn't say be strong in the Lord in your might. He says be strong in the Lord and in His might. In Isaiah 40 I'll read this, but you can turn there if you like, but listen either way. Verse 26, Isaiah 40, it says, Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them by name and by the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? And my just claim is passed over by God. Have you not known and have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the, of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. 
He gives power to the weak. And those who have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I don't know about you, but it felt like I tripped over the line into 2015. Even though, you know, remember we said, hey, if we can't keep up with the footmen, how are we going to run with the horses? The Lord has great things ahead. He has, has greater challenges and things we need to accomplish for His kingdom that require our growth and our trust in Him. Yet it wasn't even until last night, I, as I mentioned earlier, where I was under such a, an intense spiritual battle. And maybe you're, you're new to faith and you're like, well, what does it mean to be under spiritual battle? That sounds kind of strange. Well, it's a very oppressive thing. It can masquerade as depression or discouragement, uh, the failure, fear, hatred, anger, frustration, the, 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 these, this myriad of different things that represent what is called in the Bible the works of the flesh or the lusts of the flesh. For me personally, looking back at 2014, I can say thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and thank you that you brought me this far. I'm sure a lot of us feel the same way about that. It got to the point, and I know this might sound really strange, because if I looked at my life from a physical standpoint and saw, you know, my beautiful wife, my children, my, my city where I live, my health, that you would think, man, everything's great, everything's blessed. But there was something underlying that was just nagging at me, and it was just prodding me, and it was just agitating, and I, and I didn't know what it was. I'm like, what in the world's going on where I was battling, you know, anxiety and depression and all these things, and, I've, and you know, I don't have a history of mental illness at all. So I'm like, Lord, I'm losing it. It was just too much, Lord, uh, you know, and that kind of a thing. And maybe you can relate to that where I was just sitting and crying out to God and, you know, talking to Ruth and praying and reading the Bible and just like, Lord, what's going on? And I don't know if you have somebody like this in your life, maybe a mentor or, or somebody that you can kind of talk freely with or whatever. I'm blessed with great family members that I can. And, and, and it also helps also, you know, for me being a, a young pastor to have pastors that are older, uh, that have gone through things. And I remember calling a particular uh, friend because he had called me uh, a couple days ago. And, and he, he called me and I, I missed his call. I called him back last night and I started telling him. And he had been involved with ministry for a long time. He's in his 70s or so. And, and and he, and, and, and he uh, just started sharing with me these things that, that were so from the Lord. And, and it spoke to me so, so personally and so deeply when he said, the things that you're dealing with are definitely spiritual attacks on your life because this is a territorial battle. And I didn't understand that at first, but when he said it, it totally made sense. It just, then it finally clicked where you're making inroads into a city, into an area, into a principality that is controlled by evil and by Satan, where all the major religions of the world are culminating at this point in time, where destination travel or even destination moves from all over the world, from the Middle East to Asia, are pointing towards Irvine in California. I don't know if you know that. It's in magazines across like the most desirable places to live. And we look at that in relation to other cities in, in, the, in, in the United States. But it's in world magazines. And so as I had mentioned before, you have people that are coming 
flying over here from different countries and all over the world where the major religions like Hinduism and Islam and Buddhism are all here in Irvine, and this is where we're making inroads, and this is where we're breaking the ground, and this is something that Satan's not happy about. And when he had mentioned that, I just broke down. I was, I was just in that place of, of just being, all right, Lord, please help me. Please help me. And the Lord helped me, and he did. And he strengthened me and he comforted my heart and he encouraged me. And that's why I'm standing here today, even knowing more so that we should be teaching on this particular passage in the Bible because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And so many times we look at just what we can see on the surface, things that we can understand and comprehend. And we don't realize that there's a spiritual battle that's happening over our lives and over this community. The work is great. I mean, even looking back to Christmas in the Hills, where we had Muslim families making nativity sets, you know, and learning about the the, the true meaning of Christmas. We had Hindus learning that there's only one God. We had Buddhists learning that you can't earn your way to, to, to heaven. It's a gift. It's salvation. You can't be a good enough person. And this is what it's all about. The true gospel that God sent His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for the sins of the world, that through Him we might be saved. And this is what we are a part of as a church. This is what it's all about. This is why we're here. And so we need to know how to be Christians that wage a good warfare. Because if it can happen to the pastor, it can happen to any of us. And unfortunately, I'm not exempt from such things. I can't get up here and say, yeah, for you uh, weaklings, uh, you'll deal with this kind of stuff. But once you've arrived, like moi, you can, uh, you can experience the joys of never having anything like this happen to you. No, absolutely not. And I think that the Lord, as he works in our lives, he gives us empathy for other people where we actually understand each other and get it because we experience it. And we find that the playing field is level for everyone. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God, but it's His grace that carries us. It's His grace that sustains us. So it says, finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And before we read verse 11, turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Beginning in verse 5, you can turn there if you get there quicker than others, you can, or you can listen along. We're working towards a February date of having cross-references and things up here that will help you uh, and aid you in uh, following along. But I do want you to be fluent in Bible, okay? And that just means knowing where your books of the Bible are and how to turn those pages or swipe that uh, touch screen. So, verse 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders, Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Clothed with humility. No one does that to me. Tired of people disrespecting me all the time. And no one, like, listen, this isn't a license to disrespect people and to stomp on people because, hey, you know, you're supposed to be humble and, you know, you're supposed to, like, turn the other cheek and all this kind of stuff. So let me treat you like a jerk because as a Christian, you shouldn't be treating people that way. But when we look at the context of a church body that's functioning properly, clothed in humility is what we want to be. Because it says God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. I can tell you right now, You don't want God resisting you. You don't want God resisting you. Like some of us would go to the gym, work out, and put those, you know, the weights on there, you know, and, ah, five pounds, yes, 
Two and a half pounds. Okay, here we go. Let's work on that kind of a thing. Well, it's resistance. God, you put him on that, you're not moving a thing. You'll be crushed by that. So as we enter into this new year and as we have a mindset of following after Jesus and being victorious over sin, we need to understand that God gives grace to people that are humble. And the people that are proud, he resists them. If you find yourself in a place of pride and being proudful, this doesn't prideful and being proud, this doesn't mean that you don't take pride, quote unquote, in your job. Man, I want to do a good job. This is talking about an attitude of your heart. Condescension authoritative, whatever it might be. You do not want to be in a place of pride, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And Peter will go on to say, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. But I got to get there. No, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And that friend that I referred to uh, earlier about, hey, this is a territorial battle, etc., he said, he said this, and it was very, very profound. He said, You go down before you go up. The Lord breaks you down so that he can build you up. He empties you of your self-confidence. He empties you of whatever you think you're capable of and whatever you think you can do and what you can accomplish. And he shows you that there is nothing good in you. And you find out that, man, there isn't anything good in me. And it's by God's grace that I'm saved. It is by God's grace that I'm living, that I'm breathing, that I'm moving, that I'm even able to conduct a life. Let me even able to live. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in your job, that he may lift you up amongst your friends, at your school, in your neighborhood, even at church. Humble yourself and hopefully at church, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up. In the world where it's all self-promotion, you know, where I'm this and I'm the national this and I'm this and you don't need And that's the world. Let the Lord lift you up as you walk humbly before him. And it says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Sometimes we think, God, you're not there. And Lord, you've forsaken me. And you know what? As I referenced for the third time, my friend said, he said, the spiritual attack that's happening in your life is going to continue until God has his perfect way in you. Until he has his perfect work accomplished in your life. When we go through difficult times, it's like, get me out of here. As I, you know, proverbially (laughs) share from time to time up here, Jesus, you know, like, save me, you know, like, get me out of this situation. Get me out. We think that God doesn't care about me because he's letting me go through this or God's, you know, God doesn't love me anymore because look at these. No, it's like he's using these things to make you less like you. Because he loves you. (laughs) Less like you. Because he cares about you to make you more like him. Casting all your cares upon him so you can come to the Lord and say, Lord, this is what's going on. This is what's happening in my life. I know that you care for me. Please help me. We think that the Lord's up there with like a lightning bolt ready to zap us when, you know, whenever he gets a chance. Like uh, he's having some sort of, you know, weird amusement out of it. Like, uh, hey, Gabriel, come over here. Watch this. You know, like that. That's not the way God works. And people have like this mentality that God's just trying, you know, to strike them down. He's out to get them. He cares for you. Michael, watch this one. You know, like that. It's not the way it works. He cares for you. I mean, we laugh about it, but sometimes we really feel that way. We feel like, man, what's going on? Don't resist God's plan. 
Don't resist his heavy hand. You might, you try to push against that and you'll feel the full weight of it. Let the Lord lead you. Let him guide you. Let him lift you up. He cares for you. Furthermore, Peter goes on to say in verses 8 through 11, he says, be sober. Hey, right there. Be sober. Be vigilant. A lot of people talk about the marijuana issue. You know, it's legal now in California and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then some people counter that with, oh, it's a federal offense, so it's still illegal, man, or whatever. You know, We're gonna, what if they make it federally legal to use drugs? And Christians are like, hey, bro, dude, or whatever it might be. And that's not being sober. So even if evil things or drugs become legal in our country, which they may, I don't know, the Bible tells us to be sober, to be clear-headed, to be able to think. Why? Be vigilant because your adversary, and you have an adversary, and his name is the devil, and he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Man, there is not a more dangerous enemy than an enemy that you believe doesn't exist. Isn't that true? The enemy that you didn't know was there is the most dangerous enemy. And there's so many people in the world, the devil? <laughs> Are you kidding me? You mean the guy with a little part, you know, pitchfork and is on like one shoulder in cartoons? You know, like that guy? That guy that's not real. It's a figment of, of imagination. No, the devil is real. And he would love for all of us to think that he doesn't have anything to do with anything that's happening in this world today. He is real. And he is our adversary. He's not your friend. He is your enemy. And anything that goes against God's word, no matter how sugar-coated or how appealing it may be, is going to be used to ensnare you, to control you, and to destroy you. Seeking whom he may devour. But Peter says, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. If I could tell you one thing right now, in this particular context, you're not unique. I know you think you're special. I know that, you know, your mom raised you just like my mom raised me. And uh, you're just amazing. And you're just one of a kind. But when it comes to temptation and it comes to difficult experiences, even though you are special to your mom, (laughs) we are not special when it comes to spiritual warfare. We all deal with it. We all go through it. We all face that adversity. You? Yes, you. Me? Yes, absolutely. All of us, for sure. The difficulties that you're experiencing are happening probably in a good amount of people's lives that are here this morning. Part of coming together as the church body is being able to minister to each other. But most of us, we don't say hi to anybody. We'll come walk into church and be like, you know, I hate this church. Nobody said hi to me. I'm out of here. And then you're like, well, how many people did you say hi to? No one. You know, and then it's like, well, hey, man, the Bible says a friend must show himself friendly, right? So that's why we have little things where we meet and greet people and say, how are you doing? And then all of a sudden, how are you doing? Well, you know, I had this really rough week last week, and I was dealing with this difficulty. And no way. I was going through the same thing. It just happened before. 
before service with me and a couple of my guys that are backstage. We're talking. Hey, I was going through this kind of thing. No way. I was dealing with that same thing and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, you start to realize, you know, I'm not the only one in the world that is dealing with this. Because when Satan attacks us, he makes us feel that we're isolated. You're the only one. Look at everybody else's lives. They're amazing. They're fantastic. Look at the highlight reels of their social media. They don't have a problem. They don't have a difficult day. But you do. You do. You know? And we think that that's the way that the world really is. But it's not. So the sufferings that we're experiencing are being experienced by, it says, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But he says, but may the God of grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, man, that is a hard phrase to swallow. After you, after you have suffered a while, Lord, why am I suffering? Lord, I thought you loved me. If you loved me, why would I suffer? Lord, if you loved me, why would I have restless nights and have crazy nightmares? And why, Lord, if you loved me, why would this happen to my child? Why would this happen to my spouse? Why would this happen to my job? If you loved me, Lord, why would I be feeling these feelings and having these thoughts and having this issue? Lord, I thought you loved me. Well, he says that these same sufferings that are experienced by your brotherhood in the world that after you've suffered for a while, that the Lord perfects, establishes, strengthens, and settles you. The things that you don't like are the very things that are perfecting you. The things that you want to get rid of are the very things that are establishing you. The things that you wish never happened in your life, the things that were just so heavy and so hard, interestingly enough, they're the things that are strengthening you. And then you get to that point where you've suffered for that amount of time, however long that may be. And listen, this isn't a sign up for like 2015 suffering. Yeah, who's with me? It's like the crickets, you know, and everyone's out the door. No, it's talking about the reality of the life that we live. Man, does God want to bless us? Yeah, absolutely. Is God our strength and our shield? Absolutely. And we're going to see a little bit more about that. Do we have difficulties? Absolutely. So what do we do when we face those things? How do we become the Christians that get to be a part of that little group that when the tough, you know, the going gets tough, the tough get going? How do we get tougher? How do we get stronger? How do we become perfected and established and strengthened and then eventually settled? It is through the Lord having his perfect work accomplished in our life. And then Peter will finish off what he says, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And I love how he uses that word dominion. That authority. As we're going to be looking at verse 11 in just a second, we're going to see principalities and powers and rulers, and there are different demons in different area codes. Different spiritual authorities and principalities that oversee the city of Irvine, city of Los Angeles and Chicago. In Thailand, they have different cities over there and, and different cities in Europe and different cities in South, you know, in, in South Africa and then the continent and then up into the, the east into China. Like you have in the whole entire world principalities and powers and demonic forces that are assigned to specific regions and specific people. Let's not be ignorant of that. 
In verse 11, it says, well, let's read verse 10 and 11 together. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. In the Greek, that word for whole is panoply, panoply, which actually means the complete arms and armor of a warrior. The complete getup, the whole outfit, the whole thing. Put on the whole armor of God. He says, for we do not, excuse me, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Satan's had a long time to study mankind. He knows what makes the world go around. He has studied our ancestors for thousands of years and now has his game pretty much perfected for us today. The wiles of the devil, trickery and cunning and deceit. And we're no match for him. We are no match in and of ourselves. We are, bring on the devil. I know Kempo or whatever. I'll take him on. No, like, sorry, buddy. Your Kempo is not going to work. You're going to get kicked out of here real quick. Like, this isn't a physical thing. This is a spiritual battle. In verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Interestingly enough, it doesn't say in verse 12, uh, for we don't just happen to bump into occasionally. It doesn't just say, uh, we just happen to uh, play checkers with or arm wrestle. No, listen. He says, we do not wrestle. This is a matter of submission. That's what wrestling implies. Tap out. Who's going to make the other tap out? Who's going to pin their opponent? So when we recognize this terminology that's used, obviously Paul, with his heavy Greek influence, would have been aware of the Greco-Roman games. Wrestling. Tapping out. Some play, I mean, the guys can tap out. They can kill them. Like this was a life or death match many times. You know, for us spiritually, it is a matter of life and death. It is a matter of utmost importance. I can't help but think of wrestling as, okay, I'm engaged in a spiritual battle right now. I'm thinking that I want to do something that's wrong, or I feel like I, 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 I want to give in to this feeling. You need to understand where that's coming from. It's coming from Satan. To get you to indulge in the lust of the flesh. To get you to head down a path that's going to lead to your own demise. So listen. Man, I've been walking with the Lord for 40 years. No, not me personally. I'm not 40 yet. But you can say that right there. You're sitting there, hey, man, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time, you know, so I don't battle with those kind of things. Well, listen. Listen, before you start thinking that I don't battle with these certain things and before we write off, well, I've heard the arm of God message before. No, listen. This is a reminder for us on this Sunday that we're not just playing, you know, thumb war with Satan. Like we're not, this is a serious, serious battle where we will submit either to the lust of the flesh or we will submit ourselves to the Lord. And I can't help but think that when I'm tempted or when, you know, the lust of the flesh are coming, that there is some demonic presence saying, oh yeah, you serve Jesus and you bow down to Jesus and you worship the Lord. Well, let's see who's your real master because here I go. I'm going to tell you to do this and God's telling you to do this. Let's see which one you serve. Who are we serving? This isn't just like, oh, it's just a little white lie or it's not that bad or, you know, there's other people doing it. No, we need to understand that 
there is a real battle that's happening. And when we understand that, hopefully we can handle things the way we need to. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, it says, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I remember being on uh, that, uh, it was it was on K-Wave, it was a call-in show, and uh, somebody called and said, like, what's a principality, or, you know, what, what exactly does that mean? Well, basically, the definition is this, is a state ruled by a prince, usually a relatively small state or a state that falls within a larger state, such as an empire, end of quote, where a principality is a part of a larger kingdom, where there is a ruler over that particular area. And so Paul employs this word, this terminology that could be really identified easily with as as somebody living under the Roman Empire, where you had King Herod ruling from Jerusalem, and then you had Pontius Pilate over here, the governor, and then, you know, you had the emperor over here, but then you had the the proconsul, you know, and then et cetera, so on and so forth. And you could understand how this guy's over this area and this guy's over this area. And so what he uses here is something for us to understand that different places have different spiritual influences and different people are under the control of different types of spiritual attack you know you might be able to look at like las vegas for instance you know and be like man there's definitely some greed happening out there some licentiousness and sexual perversions and this kind of stuff you know the whole what stays in you know happens in vegas stays in vegas kind of thing like i bet they're under this kind then you see this full frontal attack of all this kind of sin but then you might go somewhere else where you know there's not that much money and we'll go to some of our 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 inner city neighborhoods where there's hatred and, and, and like just uh, long lines of gang warfare and things happening where people are being murdered and, being, uh, and, and, and at young ages being sucked into this lifestyle. And it's generational where, you know, my great-grandfather, man, he started this whole gang and then it passed down to here and passed down to here. And all of a sudden we got involved with, you know, drugs and this kind of thing. And you can see how Satan can work in different areas. And what may happen over here may not be happening over here, but it doesn't mean it's not part of the bigger picture, the plan of Satan to destroy mankind. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says, And you, speaking to us as those that have faith in Christ, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, who we know as Satan. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Wow, listen here. He made you who were alive dead in your sin. Maybe last year you made a profession of faith and you said, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And you prayed one of those prayers that, that, that were le- led here. Or maybe it was somewhere else. You gave your life to Jesus. You who were once dead in your sins now have been made alive. We used to live controlled by the prince of the power there. The Bible says, and as we grow in our understanding of what the Bible says, you'll get the terminology, you'll get the definitions, and you'll get the understanding. But the prince of the power of the air would be the very principality that we're talking about, the ruler over that particular region. We know that when sin entered the world, that this world became under the control of sin. It says in the spirit, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the flesh for all intents and purposes this morning. Just think of it as the worst part of who you are. You might think of the flesh, the flesh. Like, what does that mean? It's talking about your sinful nature. 
The, the worst part of who we are, the part of us that doesn't need to be taught to do wrong things. It says, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires, the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Man, we're wrestling against powers. We're wrestling against rulers of darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness. It says, therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God. This is the second time that he says this. In 11, he said, put on the whole armor of God. In verse 13, he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. We need to put off the works of unrighteousness and darkness. Guys, sin It compounds. It gets worse. It gets worse. It gets worse. Thought processes. Listen, we'll talk about this more later. And forgive me if I use this analogy twice. But listen, the the Bible will talk about these thoughts. They're called fiery darts of the wicked one. That are shot into our minds in a spiritual realm. Now, let's just say, for instance, your mind was filled with just bales of hay. Now, I'm not talking about that as a reflection of your intellect, okay? Let's just talk about, like, picture this. Bales of hay, dried out, been in the sun for a long time. And so a fiery dart, you might, you know, remember the old Western movies. I watched John Wayne movies when I was a kid, and maybe you remember Western movies. Some of you don't know even what the Wild West is. Shame on you. But anyway, what happened was they would shoot, you know, what uh, we know as... Uh, 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 Native Americans, American Indians, you know, the, 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 always the guys who were fighting against the, 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 the cowboys because the cowboys took their stuff or whatever. It was all messed up and obviously one-sided from Hollywood. But anyway, the point being was the fire goes into the barn filled with hay and it engulfs it in flame. Your mind is like that barn. And if Satan can shoot those thoughts into your mind, which will get you captivated and and just inflame your thought process so you start heading down a path, that those thoughts eventually lead to actions. And you can't stop thinking about it. And it's just over and over again. And it's almost like if you just do whatever sin that that was, that you would have a break. And maybe you've tried that before. Where, you know, the the thought came in your mind. You're like, no, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not giving in to sin. I'm not doing that anymore. You know, and then all of a sudden, everything turns into, like, you see it everywhere. You know, as if drinking coffee were a sin. And all of a sudden, you say, I'm not going to give in to that sin anymore. And then everywhere you go, coffee. And then all of a sudden, instead of just being two Starbucks across the street from each other, there were ten. And you're like, what in the world's going on here? You know, and everywhere you turn, you're bumping into it, and you're thinking, oh, if I just had a sip, then this would go away. Or whatever it might be. Sin is like that. Don't give into it. It's time to put off the old man. We're in the new year. And like I mentioned, maybe maybe you're already regretting what happened New Year's Eve. You know, you're, you're here, man, I'm going to start this year out right. And, and, and then you end up in a place that you don't want to be. You know, you end up in that place where, you know, things are happening that, that shouldn't be happening. And you're participating in things that you shouldn't be participating in. And then you're thinking, oh, man, <laughs> it's only 12, 10 in the morning on January 1st. And I already have to wait a year for my next New Year's resolution. I might as well just go on doing whatever, you know, the rest of this year. Some people are so crazy like that. It's only 10 minutes into the new year and I've already blown it. Ah, or whatever it might be. 
You know, and there you are. Listen, today is the day. Doesn't matter, matter what happened back then. That was three days ago. This is January 4th. What are we going to do now? What are you going to do starting today? Areas of sin, not one of us have arrived to be free from sin, myself included. I am not perfect. I know you guys think you are, uh, but listen, I know you might think I am, but it's not true at all. I mean, I don't mind if you think that I'm perfect, but just don't be too let down if, you know, I let you down, okay? It's just the way it goes. But here's the deal. Sin, sin corrupts. That's why in order to put on the armor of God, we need to put off the works of darkness. In Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14, it says, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. What does it mean that our salvation is nearer than ever before? It means Jesus is coming back. Have we forgotten about that? It was huge in the 80s. Huge. Jesus is coming back. It's when those old songs were written. Maranatha, Maranatha. You know, some of you are like, what is Maranatha? Well, you're going to learn about that too. Jesus, come soon. Come quickly. Jesus is coming for his church. You don't want to be <laughs> in that place where You've been left behind. You know, like, you remember that old song? Some of you are like, it's new to me. Good. Download it. iTunes. I think it's probably 99 cents, actually. Might even be free now. Who knows? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We need to be in that place where we're no longer compromising in sin. That we're not allowing ourselves to be toned down, watered down, diluting the message. Stop being so hardcore the world will say, hey, no, we got work to do. We have great things ahead of us this year. Because we wouldn't be going through all the things that we're going through if it weren't for some purpose that God has set up for us. He is molding you. He is shaping you. He is cultivating his work in your life. What is he doing? He's perfecting you. He is establishing you. He is strengthening you. He's going to be settling you. But don't give up. Don't give up. Put on the armor of light. He says, as we conclude, Romans 13, 13 and 14, he says, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. No provision. Don't keep it alive. How many times has it been, hey, one last time, one more time, only if I really need it, um, only if I'm having a bad day, only, you know, once a week at the end of the week, or whatever it might be. And you keep sin in your life alive. You give it its bread and water, you know, to keep it going just in case. Paul says, make no provision. It means don't have a little snack for your flesh. Hey, just one little bite. No, because that thing doesn't stop growing. The flesh doesn't stay compartmentalized. Most of the time, when it comes to like sin, we think about like, how can I get away with this? How is it not that bad? How is it, can I, can I rationalize this to being okay where, you know, I, I'm not a pastor. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen that old movie, uh, 
Count of Monte Cristo, where the, the, old, the old sergeant trains, you know, Jim Caviezel or whatever. And he's like, man, I thought you were a priest. And he's like, I'm a priest, not a saint. You know what, you know what I mean? Because he did something wrong or whatever. The, the thing was, is like, you can't be like, well, I'm not a pastor, so I can do it. That's not, that's not good for the pastor to do it. I mean, Garrett, if you did that, shame on you. If I do it, I'm just a normal Christian. Now, listen, don't rationalize sin. When it rears its ugly head, don't stroke it and be like, oh, how can I get away with this little baby sin? You know, how can I do that? What you should be is like, ah! chop its head off. Like this, right there, you know, you, <laughs> never, never mind. You put it to death. You put it to death. You know, if I was like, uh, what's his face? Um, Sean Connery. Be like, Lancelot, use your sword. <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. Chop its head off. Put it to death. Enough with the theatricality. I promise it's over. I don't know what's going on here. We do have a good time at Vision City Church, though. I'll tell you that. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry or drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. And that's our introductory study into our four-part series on spiritual battle that will continue next week. So what's going to happen, we have a little special thing set up this morning uh, for communion, as you know, the first Sunday of the month. And in order just to kind of give you the train of thought and how we segue, the reason that we can even have this time that we have together today is because of what Jesus has done for us. The only way that we can have victory over sin and be victorious when we're battling against those temptations and against those thoughts is through faith in Jesus by putting on that armor of light, as Paul said in Romans 13. Paul will go on to say, and, and, and he'll break down the different pieces of armor in Ephesians 6, which we'll be looking at, but it's through faith in Jesus that any of this begins. And so this morning... If you're here and you don't know Jesus personally, maybe you came with a friend and maybe, you know, you came into church and it's like your first time ever being in a church where they met on a basketball court or, you know, they, they maybe didn't have stained glass windows or, you know, uh, I know uh, sometime back a guy said, I don't know about this church. That guy wears sneakers like he wears tennis shoes, you know, and I do wear Converse. I do wear them a lot and I do like Nike running shoes. That's kind of like my weapons of choice. Like I, I feel comfortable in those. And maybe you're here and you're like, this place is just different. Well, one thing is for sure is that the Word of God will always be open and the Word of God will be taught. And we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to speak to His people and to strengthen us in our walk with Him. 